listening to CFCR 90.5 FM, and it is time for the Nerdy News. This is Punch Radio, and in the studio today, we have Brennan, Tony, Kathy, Jody, and Dave, and we will hear from Craig and Hank a little later on in the episode. We've got some cool stuff to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about the Jelle Marble Olympics is over. It was... Wow, stunning! Uh, many upsets. Uh, we will get we'll get to that in a, in a minute or two. Uh, but Tony and Kathy have a bunch of stuff that they want to talk about, and uh, we're going to finish off the the show today with uh, Brennan and talking about Gru. So um, Tony and Kathy, why don't you lead us off? Uh, what's going on in your world? So Kathy, do you believe in UFOs? Mm, I think they're um, unsubstantiated. Unsubstantiated. <laughs> That's a big word for someone who doesn't believe. <laughs> um, I, I believe in UFOs, and I believe that uh, back in the 60s, Project Blue Book was there to uncover a lot of the UFOs and a lot of the hoaxes. And uh, then in 1977, they brought that to TV and they had a very realistic portrayal of Project Blue Book on television called Project UFO. was not realistic. <laughs> it was, it was not. so loosely based on the actual investigations that the people who were explosively in it didn't even recognize their they were, stories. They were very different, but it was a show that I watched when I was young. I remember Sunday nights watching it and uh, we would, uh, my brother and I would watch it and then I would be terrified. He was never scared, he would just go to bed, but I would spend all night up worrying about UFOs because a lot of the episodes were like people being, seeing UFOs during the day and not just at night. There were nights and days and people would come down yeah. and there was UFOs and, and things. So I was terrified that I was gonna be abducted and or see a UFO. So, but I watched it every Sunday and my dad would get mad at me and he'd yell at me because I wasn't going to bed. So, but we watched it. Um, now, recently we found it, it's on Netflix. It's, uh, it's a, a fun little show um, that we decided to watch. We're pretty much at the end now. There's 26 episodes all together. We watched the first season. Now, the show itself is set in the 70s, but it was actually based on stuff that was happening in the 60s. So when Project Blue Book was actually around and they were looking at these UFOs, they were actually not looking at them for any other reason other than they were worried that the Russians would have special ships and they'd be, you know, coming into the States. So that's kind of what they were looking for. But then again, all these people were seeing all these flying saucers, so they were just making sure that they weren't Russian aircraft. In doing so, it made some good TV in the 70s, I think. I, I wish that it was recorded a little bit differently though. Like on the new TVs, 1979 TV does not look super stellar. No, it's hard to watch. And in fact, I didn't even recognize the one actor who plays Captain, what's his name? Kate's Captain, Captain uh, well, I don't know, Edward Winter. Winter. Yeah, Edward Winter. Winter. Edward Winter. So did you know that Edward Winter was in MASH? He was Colonel Samuel yeah. Flagg in MASH. Yeah, he I was, didn't even recognize yeah. him because in the 1970s TV thing that we're watching, he's all blurry because of the pixelated 1970s. Do you remember him when he was show? in MASH? I think that was like one of my favorite characters. Yeah, Flag, he's funny. Colonel Flagg, yeah, he was funny. Um, and then the other guy, there's the other couple of guys that were in it too. Uh, the first season, actually, he left out the first season. It was William Jordan. Uh, he didn't really do much. He uh, was in show business. He did things like Bonanza and Big Dal. He didn't really do much after that. But the, the other guy was in both seasons, William Swain. He did so many awesome bit parts after Project U and throughout the 80s. He was in Dukes of Hazard, A-Team, Chips, and Matlock. 
That is like a star-studded array of television right there. Like that is the best resume ever. What did you do in the eighties? Eh, you know, I just yeah. I was on eighteen for a while. On chips, we did that one. You know, and that one is definitely the best of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So there were some interesting shows. Um, one of the things that I, I always thought about this, and after I watched it uh, and rewatched it and thought about it, uh, when I started watching X Files, I thought Project UFO was the X Files before the X Files. They really were kind of following the X-Files kind of followed the same idea where they went out and tried to find, you know, look, looking for clues as to, you know, proving whether these things were, were real or not, where Mulder was always trying to prove that they were real and Scully was, you know, just there to make sure that, you know, Mulder wasn't crazy. Uh, but in Project UFO, there's no, they're, they're not trying to prove yes or no, they're just there, just the facts. And yeah. that is funny that it's just the facts because the guy who produced this show was, um, what's his name, Jack Webb? Jack Webb was Jack the producer. And he was the big guy that did Dragnet. He was the star of Dragnet, which is just the facts. Just the facts. Just the facts. Yeah. So that's kind of the fun part about it is they took, Jack Webb took like an idea about UFOs and he wanted it to be a factual thing. But then in the second season, it went crazy where they were just like, they would show like a couple things at the beginning, the, the guys from the, uh, the Air Force would show up, they would talk about it. And then the end, the last 15 minutes, was just like UFOs and crazy things that were happening. And it was just all, you know, it was just fun to watch anyway at that point. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, they tried to make it a little more television friendly. The yeah. first season was a bit American Air Force propaganda a little bit, I felt like. It was. And then the second season, a little bit more entertainment. Entertainment and crazy entertainment. And crazy entertainment. Yeah. So they tried to revive this. Did you know? What? No. Yeah, so they made a new Project Blue Book show um, on the History Channel in 2018. And it stars the guy from Game of Thrones, Littlefinger. He's actually one of the Air Force guys. Oh. So it, it only went two seasons and I think it's canceled now. I am not um, gonna watch that show. It would taint what I have, all the feelings I have about the original. It seems it more drama-y. I didn't watch any of it yet, but it yeah. seems more drama-ish. Like um, the X-Files. Kind, yeah. 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 Like the X-Files. I think the thing about Project UFO to me was it was at that time when UFOs were really big. It was the 70s, Star Wars came out, and people really wanted to believe in UFOs, and everyone would say they saw them. Uh, my friends and I, we made up a story that we had actually seen a UFO, and we told the girls that we had seen UFOs, and it was just like the whole thing was just kind of ridiculous at the time. <laughs> but if you think about it, there, there's now people actually with the COVID happening, there's people, a lot of people coming out saying, oh, yeah. We've seen UFOs. I think a lot of people see things, they, when, when things are troubled and they're going through troubled times, they start to imagine what it would be like, you know, if someone came and fixed us or if there was a reason why these things were happening. And there's been more UFO sightings now, I believe, than there has been in the last little while. Oh, and, uh, that's I've, and I've seen three. <laughs> You've seen three? I have. Oh, okay. they were, they were, but they were ball lightning. Or, or weather balloons. Or weather balloons or ball lightning. There's okay. a lot of ball lightning and weather balloons that you actually see. So, yeah, so it's pretty fun. I don't know if you want to watch it. It's on, it's on, the, um, it's on the YouTube, the tube. It's kind of one of those things where nothing's really explained. Nothing's really that great. They use, they have, they fall under the, I call it the Space 1999 ship disaster. And what it is, is they have these awesome models. The models are amazing. Someone put millions of hours into these models. So then you spend 10 minutes looking at this model uh, flying or coming close and you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's the ship. And you'll watch it and you'll watch it, you'll watch it. And then they'll flash back to that scene and you'll watch it again and you'll watch it again. <laughs> yeah. So they really, 
Uh, it's kind of like the, the night, Space 1999 way of filming, I like to call it. So, uh, and it's just fun. Ezekiel, what's the beginning? Ezekiel saw the wheel. This uh, is the wheel that he saw. This is the wheel saw. And there's yeah. all kinds of like, this is, you know, disclaimers at the beginning and at the end and such. So I think it's one of those things that I tell people to watch. I'm not sure if people will like watching it, but I got you to watch it and you like it, don't you? It's entertaining. Yeah. yeah. I make you to watch it. <laughs> I thought it'd be scary because when I was a kid, I thought it'd be scary and I was very like putting it off. It's not very scary. It's not scary. <laughs> you know, you're not, I'm not worried about aliens abducting me like it was when I was 10. <laughs> there you go. Alien abduction was a real fear in the, in the 70s. Like piranhas and sharks and uh, alien abduction. Alien yeah. abduction, yeah. 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 And it was just, it, you were, not only were you, you know, now, then it became like the, the anal probe thing or whatever, which was later, <laughs> but like, we were worried that they would take us away and we wouldn't come back. You would just disappear and you would be, you know, that would be the terrifying thing. Like, oh, well, you just disappear and you wouldn't be there anymore. I was terrified of UFOs and now I, I bring, I say, bring it on, bring down the UFOs, <laughs> bring them down, see what happens next. Couldn't get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You heard it here first. Bring the UFOs. You should hear us first on Punch Radio. If you're listening, UFO men, bring, bring, them, bring them down. We're ready. All right. Well, we're shooting that message out into space. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, um, well, my news is, is not as vast as the universe, but uh, the little balls that make up my world are like a microcosm of the universe. And uh, the Jelle Marble Olympics is over for 2020. We had the last event on Monday and uh, wow. It, uh, okay, as, as you may know, I'm a huge old Rangers fan, have been for a few years and we really dogged it at the beginning. We just kind of weren't really going too to, to well. And then all of a sudden about halfway through, we started like winning like crazy, all these medals. And we were like in the number one spot for a while and then the last, second last event, we just tanked. I think we came in like second last or something. No points, like it was terrible. So Savage Speeders took first place in the standings and in the last event, which was this crazy marathon, 33 laps, uh, sort of Marbula One racing style. Uh, yeah, Minty Maniacs won, crazy. And they were our next closest rival and they actually, um, won the race but they did not defeat us we managed to stay ahead of them by one single point so the final standings for this year's marble uh, marble olympics were savage speeders gold medal o-rangers with the silver and minty maniacs with the shameful bronze all three of us uh we all had seven medals each but we just did better in our standings so that we got a few extra points in fourth place was midnight wisps and the crazy cat's eyes with four medals managed to get that five that final fifth place and uh, one thing that's really cool is, um, we talked about this before, but um, last week tonight, John Oliver's show, Late Night Talk Show, they uh, sponsored the Olympics this year. The Marble Olympics fell under their banner and every event that they had, all 16 events, every time that a, a team won, a donation would be made to a food bank somewhere in the United States under their name for $5,000, which is pretty generous. But the final, the team that won the Marble Olympics, the Savage Speeders, 
got a $20,000 donation made in their name to the International Rescue Committee, which is amazing. So that's really cool. Now, what I think is even cooler about that, like I, I don't really know what International Rescue Committee is, except in Thunderbirds. Like that's what they're called. The International Rescue is the Thunderbirds. So I'm really hoping that that's, that's true, that like the, the Tracy family is getting that money to help save people in peril all over the globe. <laughs> but super marionettes. You're right. Sorry, not people, super marionettes. That's right. <laughs> so thank you, Jerry Anderson, for, uh, for that. And thank you, John Oliver, for his incredible generosity for all these donations and for stepping in and, and helping Marble Olympics get like another echelon of people to know about it and to love it and embrace it because it's an amazing event. It, it gets a little bit slicker every time he does it. Like I think we started watching it three years ago and maybe watched some old ones that were from 2015 or 2016. And it's always been fun to watch, but the Lego and other building toys and Hobolinos that uh, he puts into designing the stands uh, even though now we have like hockey and baseball and basketball, like if you watch games in the NBA bubble, it looks like the NBA bubble ripped off the Marble Olympics. Kind of. Like they need to find a way to make it look like there were live fans at the games and stuff like that. And it does look decent. But when you watch the like the marbles in the stands cheering on the athletes at the Marble Olympics, you're seeing somebody use something a little cooler, like stop motion animation a little bit and stuff like that. And and it's all in like one guy's basement or living room, which I don't know, kind of gives it a little bit, a little bit more appeal. Yeah, it's charming. Yeah. Okay, so this, and okay, this brings up a point. Basketball is back. I love basketball. I love the NBA. The playoffs has started this week. And uh, it's very exciting to have that back. But what's weird is that, yeah, they are in this little bubble. So there's no live people there watching the event, but they have like the sound effects of a crowd, like like piped in. So it's like watching a sitcom with canned laughter or when you watch the Marble Olympics and you see the crowd, which are marbles, like, and they have cheering sounds. They do. I believe that the marbles are cheering like I, that has more credibility to me than when I watch the, the NBA bubble and I see these screens with like virtual people, uh, you know, they're zoomed in or whatever, that, that the cheering comes from them. No, it's like a video game. It's fake, 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 fake. But I believe, I believe that the marbles in the stands at the Marble Olympics are filled with passion and they are moved by what's happening in front of them, that the athletes are putting it all out, leaving nothing behind on the table and, and that they appreciate it and they're cheering. So yay, yay Marble Olympics. And the other lame thing about the piped in noise at the sporting events is I was looking forward to the possibility that inside this bubble with no fans, you maybe get to hear a little bit more of what's going on on the court because those players are talking to each other all the time. Um, and they've, they've got them on a delay. So every once in a while, the game will go silent because somebody said a bad word. And then, you know, you don't want to do any lip reading when that happens. No. Um, 
but yeah, they, they've tried to make it look and sound as normal as possible. And I think that's kind of a missed opportunity. This is the one time where you might get to hear kind of maybe what you would hear if you were like sitting really close to the court. Well, and that's, for me, that's one of the appeals of NBA, of basketball, is that like, here, here's a sport where the players are not obscured by equipment. Um, you see their faces. Um, it's a relatively small playing field. Uh, so you, you know, you get to see the interaction. So they, like, as far as the personas, like they come across a lot more clearly than say like hockey or football where, you know, they're all helmeted and stuff. Um, but yeah, so it would have been really cool to be able to hear more of the trash talking, etc. But eh, whatever. I'm still happy that basketball is back. And I'm happy that the Raptors are doing really well so far. So far. Meh. Meh. Sports. So yeah, I think this is the first time we've had sports on Punch <laughs> There are lots of nerdy things about the bubble. That's the, the reason that it's working is because they're you know, they're listening to what the nerds are telling them to do. And and so far, so good. Yeah, well, the nerds are keeping them alive. <laughs> All right, okay. I, well. I, can't, I can't wait for the COVID Olympics when the, the competition is who gets sick faster, right? <laughs> <laughs> How fast can we get sick? That would be the next sport. So I can't wait for that one. Yeah, um, yeah the Olympics next, next year, maybe, if it goes ahead, uh, that'll be interesting. But I gotta say, I do, okay, I don't know if you have had this phenomenon, but like when you watch the Olympics and even if you're not a sports fan, you get sucked into it. It's like two weeks, there's all this stuff happening every day. So you're just like tuned in and you, you're really you know, involved with it. And then it's over. And then there's this like hole in your life. Like you, there's like a, a depression that sets in where it's like no more Olympics and yeah, I'm not really sure yet what I'm going to do about the hole that is left behind by Yele. Um, he does have the Marbula One racing still, so thank goodness for Small Mercies. Uh, I'll still have some marble in my life. He always <laughs> turns the big events into a big compilation, too. So if you ever really want to binge it, you can go back and, and a lot of them are worth watching more than once. This is true. So anyways, if you haven't experienced any of this, like get off your duff, go to YouTube and search for Yele, J-E-L-L-E, uh, Marble Runs, and uh, there's all kinds of great stuff in there. Fantastic. That's fun. All right, speaking of fun, we're gonna turn things over to Craig and Hank for a little bit. And uh, yeah, when we come back, we will talk groove. Thanks, Jody, Craig, Sillivant, and Hank Cruz here. And uh, we've got a few things we wanna talk about today. Now, we're not gonna talk about Lovecraft, or sorry, uh, Lovecraft, County, country, Lovecraft country, uh, because we both want to just see a little more of it. So we'll probably talk about it next week, even though it's the new thing this week. Uh, but we got a couple other fun things for you. Hank, uh, like, what do you got there? Eh? Okay. Uh, I know that you're a huge football fan. So I'm sure you remember in 2013 when Jason Sudeikis was on advertising for NBC Sports playing a character called Ted Lasso in advertising for NBC that they were going to broadcast some soccer uh, Premier League in uh, 2013, which was a huge deal, I guess, because you're big into the, the ball sports and stuff, right? So I love the ball sports. This, uh, this uh, Ted Lasso guy character that he created, well, they've now based a uh, television show around him on Apple TV. 
TV Plus, Apple TV Plus. So there's about, I think, 10 episodes, or no, 11 episodes, I think, in total. They're going to be released, I think, every week now, but there's about four that are available right now. So Ted Lasso is an American football coach for, like, a college team or something. He gets recruited to go to England to be a coach for a soccer team. He knows nothing about soccer, and they bring him over, and of course it's this huge because soccer is like the be-all, end-all over there, and everybody is freaking out because they're bringing this yokel from somewhere in the Midwest United States who knows nothing about soccer over there, so a lot of people are upset. And then you find out, bum, 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 this isn't a spoiler, that the owner of the team hired him on purpose to try to get the team to lose because her husband, who was the previous owner, was cheating on her all the time, and he loves the team so much that now that she's gotten the team in the divorce, I guess, she wants to tank the team to piss off her ex-husband. Bum, bum, bum. Chaos ensues. Ted Lasso, uh, I watched the first four episodes. I LOL'd a few times, and I, uh, I quite enjoy it, actually. So this is one I would recommend if you're hip to the Apple TV Plus. Plus. Nice. Yeah, I, I do have the Apple TV Plus, and uh, I think, like, they're no HBO or anything, but they've done a pretty good job uh, as you know, with a few of their shows that were not too bad over the last year that I've been watching. So, uh, so And uh, Zach, uh, Zach Graff directed a couple episodes of it because he happened to be in England at the time. And uh, who was the creator of Scrubs? Was it Bill Lawrence? I had no idea. Somebody, but anywho, the creator of Scrubs also helped uh, develop this as well. So if you like Scrubs, yeah, you'll like this one. What if I don't like Scrubs? You'll like this one too. Forget Scrubs. Forget I even mentioned it. <laughs> it was, uh, according to Google... Uh, Scrubs, yes, was created by Bill Lawrence. So, so there you oh, go. Oh, see, Bill Lawrence. And, and Scrubs was great until uh, the last season. So there you go. Forget about the last season of Scrubs and watch Ted Lasso. There. All right. Well, I have been watching a show uh, on Netflix that's been actually out for a few years. I believe there's three seasons of it right now. But I finally just kind of gave it a shot the other night there, and, and I'm uh, a little bit hooked. The show is called Dark. Have you, have you seen this one? I have not seen it yet, but I've been told by Netflix that I should be watching it because it pops up every time I'm on Netflix. Well, it's like, if, if you like Scrubs, you're really going to like it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's, uh, Does it's that actually, graph direct any of the episodes? Not as far as I know. Uh, we, we, uh, we just happened to be in Germany at the time. So <laughs> it, it is a German, uh, in fact, it's Netflix's first German language original series uh and you could really actually like it you could really probably compare it pretty heavily to stranger things uh though it's a little a lot darker than that and a lot more uh, complicated so without giving too much away there's children that start vanishing in this uh, german town called winden and it starts to kind of like bring light to a lot of fractured relationships and double lives and and the pasts of a few different families that are living there and sort of eventually reveals that this is a mystery that spans several generations. And so, again, this doesn't really give anything away because it's kind of in the opening credits, but you and in the trailer. But like, so you start to get different actors playing the same people at like different periods of their life. There's like a, and it's funny because a lot of the actors have weird like Gorbachev moles or like a little like Marilyn Monroe mole or a, a significant burn on their face or something. So it's like, you can tell who they are when they're a kid uh, to an adult to, you know, different ages of, of, 
adult. So uh, the show itself is is really cool. Like I said, it's 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 like Stranger Things, but not quite as like you know it's it's darker and a little more uh, creepier, I guess, than that. Like Stranger Things is more fun, I guess, and, and this one's a little more cool. But the one complaint I have about it is probably more with me and not with the show. It's I'm about five, four or five episodes in now, and so now we're kind of like jumping around through different time periods and, and different characters and. I was like, this show should be called Lost, not because it takes place on an island, but because I'm lost. <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff going on and it's just like hard to keep straight who's who and who's that guy and what did that guy say when I said who's that guy and like, <laughs> so, uh, but, it's, but it's really fun. So there's no polar bear running through the forest? No, but there is a lot of weird stuff. I mean, there's a nuclear power plant that sort of plays into it and uh, and talk of mutations and stuff like that. So, but anyway, it's uh, definitely worth checking out. Like I said, I'm only about five episodes in right now, but there is several more seasons available and it's, it's I'm digging it so far. My wife's been watching it with me and she's liking it too. So are you uh, watching the subtitled version or the dubbed version? Oh man, subtitles are death. It would, Good, thank you. To be a dubbed version, it would have to be either something I really wanted to see and the only way I could see it, or maybe one of those like, or, or it'd have to be like one of those kung fu movies that was meant to be seen <laughs> like funnier that way or whatever. No, I, <laughs> subtitles are nothing for me. Okay, so we got to read for the show too. Gotcha. Okay, it's dark and we need to read. Yeah, exactly. So did you have anything else you've been watching this week or doing? Uh, I know we're uh, pretty close to time, but Kibi, Quibi whatever that other streaming service is that I'm paying for, they redid The Fugitive. Because if they haven't redid The Fugitive enough, they redid it again. Except this time, it's Kiefer Sutherland is the cop character who's chasing The Fugitive, who we know is innocent. He's innocent, Craig. And now Kiefer Sutherland's got to chase him. It's nonstop action, zero plot. But watching it in the tiny, uh, about five to seven minute increments uh, per episode, uh, it's entertaining so far, but it's exactly the same as every other fugitive. So uh, yeah, if, if you're subscribing already, yeah, it's worth your seven minutes a day or whatever. If you're not subscribing, that's not the show to make you want to pay for it. So there you go. Fair enough. That's a that's a good that's a good way of putting that recommendation. I actually love The Fugitive, both the old TV show and the uh, Harrison Ford movie. So yeah, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. But this time, it's not about killing his wife. It's about blowing up a subway and then blowing up another building with a with a bomb in his backpack. Bum, bum, bum. I didn't blow up a subway or another building with a bomb <laughs> in my backpack. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to throw back to Jody here. That's that's it for uh, Craig and Hank this week. Uh, we'll see you next week. And back to Jody and everybody in the studio. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, fellas. Uh, so, Brennan, you are up. We want to talk about Gru. Okay. So, Gru was a character when it was out back in 1984 that I was never really into. And not the fact that I didn't like Gru, but, you know, I didn't have a lot of money for my allowance. So, between Superman and Batman and Ultra Squadron, that was my, my budget. So, last week, I went for a walk early in the morning and I came across a yard sale that had a whole stack of Gru comics sale, which I would have bought, but I didn't have my wallet. Turns out they were going to, wait, there's a whole story here. Turns out they were going to the lake that my friend was going to. So I left him money and I said, would you please buy this stack of Gru comics for me? Which he did. And now I suddenly have a whole collection of Gru comics uh, written by Sergio Aragone. Am I saying that right? Aragone? 
that thank you. Thank you. And I've read through like half of them and they are amazing. So if you are someone who is at all interested in comics with a bit of a flair for some comedy and some tongue in cheek action, Gru is definitely for you. Now, when I first started reading Gru, I knew the artwork from like Mad, Mad Magazine and comics and that kind of thing. But what you don't realize is how well Sergio can do like his funny artwork, but yet also include an amazing amount of detail. So almost every issue of Gru in page two or three has a splash page, which has an amazing amount of detail and uh, with like different characters and things and, and things happening. If you've not read, you should, if you haven't read Gru, please, please do. And at the end of each issue, there's like a moral of the story, which like brings the whole issue together, which I think could actually be a whole like self-help book, like on its own. For, for example, in issue uh, number three, no matter who you may be, there is always someone who is a little worse because he thinks he is a little better. And every issue has like these little like morals of the story, which is like a, a fortune cookie saying, but that's something that could actually like really be profound. So if you want something funny and intelligent with amazing art, please go check out Gru if you haven't already. Do it now, like right now. Good recommend. And that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. So thank you for tuning in here on CFCR 90.5 FM. We'll also put a little bug in your ear that F emphasis is down the road. So uh, start digging into the couch and finding all those extra pennies and nickels and things that you can uh, hopefully make a donation and keep great content on our community radio station. Until next Friday, keep your dukes up. Bye.